This is Songwriter, the podcast of stories and answer songs. My name is Ben Arthur. Today, we have a brand new song by Colin McGrath, written in response to a murder mystery by an old friend of mine, someone I've known so long that we originally met on MySpace. My name is Allison Galen, and I'm a writer. I'm working on my 12th book right now. Um, to me, I've always like to write books in which the most was at stake and when you're writing crime fiction the most that's at stake is life and freedom and I love it. I love the genre and I love writing in it. What I don't like is it viewed as somehow less because it tends to be a little more commercial. Mm. Um, which is such a bad thing. Yeah, it's like so horrible that you're making money. The book must be awful. Hamlet is crime fiction. It's a play about a guy who may or may not have gone insane and killed his entire family. And it has about as high a body count as Game of Thrones. So I don't really understand how to parse that as not genre other than it's just a lot older. <laughs> I'm going to be reading from my book, Never Look Back, um, which is loosely based on the Charles Starkweather murders, uh, but it concerns a um, teenage couple who go on a murder spree. Throughout it all, in the book, the young girl is keeping a journal of sorts, which is actually a series of letters to her future daughter. There was a real fascination with the girlfriend of Star Charles Starkweather, Carol Ann Fugate, who was just 14 years old. She was 14 and he was 19. I think their youth uh, had a lot to do with the, the fascination in that. But the way pop culture, the take on it, I, I feel is different than the reality. And I think if you just look at it logically, it has to be. One of my favorite movies is Badlands by Terrence Malick, which is based on the Charles Starkweather murders. And the way he depicts it is, it's uh, it, it's very romantic in a way, you know. It, this uh, sissy, the sissy spacek character is is sort of uh, she has this horrible mean father, and and this gorgeous young Martin Sheen, you know, comes and and liberates her from, you know, her stepfather by killing him. And I think he kills her dog too, but he's still a kind of a good guy, sort of a James Dean type. And they go on this killing spree that kind of goes out of. Gets out of control, but there's this real love between them, and it's almost like a Romeo and Juliet kind of a thing. Another thing I love is the Bruce Springsteen song Nebraska, which is directly, supposedly, the story of the Starkweather murders, and it's told through Charles Starkweather's point of view. He also implies that they're partners in crime, you know, a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. The reality of it um, was that. This was a 14-year-old girl who was kidnapped by her abusive, mean boyfriend who killed her entire family, led her to believe that they were being kept somewhere, and uh, if she was good and did what he said, that he wouldn't kill them. She was shell-shocked and traumatized throughout this entire thing. And then when the cops came, she thought they were being rescued, and then she was arrested. She was tried and convicted as an accessory to murder, um, sentenced to life in prison. When young girls don't act the way they're supposed to or the way people think they're supposed to, they don't act as terrified maybe or as grieving or they're shell-shocked in a way that, that makes them not look like they're just a mess, they tend to be uh, vilified. So I actually didn't make April Cooper as much of a victim as I think Carol Ann Fugate was mm. because I thought that would be, just be too depressing. I think in 1950s America, when the Starkweather murders happened, 
uh, part of the people's horror, the general public's horror, the press's horror with this whole situation was not only that this couple had committed murders, but that this young girl was was with this 14-year-old girl was with this 19-year-old boy, and they were obviously, you know, together and staying together throughout this entire. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think they, they, they were their fucking. relationship. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know what you could say on the podcast. What you could. I think we're okay. Yeah, yeah, but right, exactly. I think people were just as frightened of that yeah. as, uh, or, or close to as, than the fact that they were committing these murders. There was more hatred being hurled at her, I think, than there was at Charles Starkweather. You've got, look at these pictures of her, you know, when she's being taken in, there's this yeah. bewildered look on her face. She's not crying, which of course that means she's guilty of everything. This is Allison Galen reading an excerpt of Never Look Back at the Golden Notebook Bookstore in Woodstock, New York. June 2nd, 1976, 1 a.m. Written assignment for ninth grade social studies class, Mrs. Brixton. A letter to my future child by April Cooper. Dear Aurora Grace, it is 1976, the year of our nation's bicentennial. I turned 15 three months ago. Like many young people my age, I am concerned about some of the issues affecting our country and the planet. The hole in the ozone layer is something that I worry about. The passage of the Equal Rights Amendment could provide equal pay for both you and me. These issues, just like you, are part of a future I can't see from where I am. I try to imagine the world you may be living in, flying cars, picture phones, pills that can make you beautiful forever. I try to imagine you, what you might look like, the clothes you might wear, the sound of your laugh. I try to imagine who your father might be, and I'm hoping with my whole heart that he's someone I will meet many years from now, when everything is better. I don't know a lot. I'm only a freshman and my grades are just okay. I don't play any musical instruments and I'm not on a sports team. I've never traveled to a foreign country except for the one time my mom and I went to Mexico and I was only five years old then, so all I remember is the hotel swimming pool. But there are things I've seen now. There are things I know. I heard the gunshots when I got home from school. I was walking up the driveway and there were three loud blasts. Fireworks for the bicentennial, I thought. I told myself the blasts were coming from the park up the block, from someone else's backyard, from my own imagination. But part of me knew that something horrible had happened. When I opened the door to my house, the lights were off and the shades were drawn. And so the first thing I noticed was the smell, like sawdust and smoke and something else, something coppery and dark that made my stomach turn. I felt hands on my back, someone gripping my neck and spinning me to look at him. I didn't mean to, Gabriel said. I was just so angry at your stepfather. I know you only broke up with me because he made you. I love you so much, April. I could smell his sweat. I felt it slick and cold on his hands and on my skin. When Gabriel turned the light on and I got a good look at him, I noticed the spray of tiny red drops across his face. Papa Pete was on the floor, blood spreading beneath him. I don't think I've ever seen anyone or anything as absolutely still as his body. I tried to ask where Jenny was, but I was crying so hard I couldn't get the words out. Jenny is my baby sister, your future aunt, Aurora Grace. She's only three years old. I don't know what he's done with her. When I was still crying, Gabriel put the gun in my hand. He wrapped himself around me the same way he had done back in January when he taught me how to hit a golf ball at the driving range near his house. 
He aimed the barrel on Papa Pete and pressed his fingers against mine and made me pull the trigger. Papa Pete's body shook, mine too. My throat was raw from screaming, but I couldn't hear my own voice. Hours later now, and my ears are still ringing. Gabriel is asleep, but in my head, he is still saying it over and over. Now you've done it too. You've shot him too. Your prints are on the gun. We're in this together. He is so close, his lips brushed the back of my neck. We're in this together, Gabriel whispers. We'll always be together. When someone is that close, you don't just hear a whisper. You feel it. It's 1 a.m. A half hour ago, I sneaked out of my room and tried to call the police, but the line had been cut. I felt someone watching me. It was Gabriel, awake and standing right behind me. He pressed the gun between my shoulder blades. I felt it so clearly, the full sort of my back that leads directly to my heart. It felt heavy and cold, and I was scared beyond breathing. Gabriel spoke very quietly. Jenny is in a safe place, he said. She's being cared for. Things will stay that way unless I say the word, and I'll never say the word as long as you are good to me. Gabriel has the keys to Papa Pete's Cavalier, the money from Papa Pete's wallet, and of course he has the gun. He says he's leaving, and if I'm good, he'll take me with him, alive. I don't want to ask him where the gun came from or how he got into my house in the first place with no car, but I'm guessing that it has to do with the people watching Jenny, and so I'm going to try and be good, even though I feel as though my whole life has been pulled out from under me, and I can't close my eyes without seeing Papa Pete, the shell of him on our living room floor, blood pooling all around. I will be good. I will be good. I will be good. Please help me to be good. A week ago, I was so excited about this assignment. Mrs. Brixton told our class that she would keep the letters and send them to us at our future homes in the year 2000, when we'll be the same age that she is now. Aurora Grace, the one thing in the world that I know I want to be is a mother, your mother. The idea of writing you a letter now that you can read someday gave me what Papa Pete would have called purpose and direction and all kinds of other things I've never had enough of. It made me so happy I actually thanked Mrs. Brixton for the assignment, but now I know I'll never be able to turn it in. School is out in less than a week, and one way or another, I will be gone by sunrise. With love, April, your future mom. And now for the song written in response. My name is Colin McGrath. I am a songwriter, guitar player, singer, and I also teach music. I've taught all the way from pre-K to high school. I'm, I'm really enjoying working with the young kids right now. It's really fun. Because I don't normally read mysteries. It's normally not my kind of go-to. And so it was kind of fun to be brought out of my normal comfort zone. You know, I think she, she does a, a really nice job at um, keeping your sort of cerebral mind engaged with, um, with the details of the plot and then also giving you enough emotional, you know, context to really make it rewarding as, an, as a novel. I was really curious to hear more from the adult character of, of April Cooper. I wanted to know, you know, what kind of an adult did she become? How did she reconcile herself with her past and all the, the her troubled history? I imagined myself as, as April Cooper writing to her, like trying to pick up this, this, this habit again of writing to her daughter, but this time writing to a real growing child. And I'm imagining her daughter's around 11, which is the same age my daughter is. And I'm imagining her trying to restart that whole kind of honesty that she was able to have with this unborn 
you know, imagining of, of a child. And then actually the, the difficulty that you would have in speaking that to a real child because the burden of the truth is just too heavy. I think a lot about, um, I mean, it's sort of a strange connection to make, but about climate change and about how scary that is and how uh, talking to my daughter, it really like gives her nightmares. And every time we bring up something like this about the environment, like there's this little part of my daughter that gets super freaked out. And so there's a temptation to just not talk about it. To be honest with your child is a really big challenge. When are you lying to your child as an act of love? And when are you truthful with them even though you know it's going to hurt? I mean, in my song, I address uh, how April feels about her own mother. Because mm. um, there, there was a part in the book where, man, when I read that, that one letter, I, it just blew me away and I was like, this is my song right here. Where, where it was the one about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and how she was so unforgiving of her mother saying that she knew that her mother was gonna go, go to hell for telling her that, that everything was okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, her mom just said, this is only a ride, life could never really be this difficult. And then she finds as she gets older that life is that difficult. And she says, I can't believe my mother lied to me about that. And I know she's going to go to hell for it. And I know I'm going to go to hell too for all these things that I did. And to me, that just seemed like, wow, she's so hard on both herself and her mother. And I wondered if that, if that kind of anger stayed with her as an adult. Here's Colin McGrath with his song, Dear Aurora Grace. Dear Aurora Grace, that's what I used to call you Before I knew your face, used to tell it all to you now you're growing up, a living, breathing child, and I'm closing up. I just live to see you smile. When you get older, you'll see the truth can be a curse. They say it sets you free. The truth I have is worse. I hope that you'd forgive me if you knew what I had to do And when you outlive me, leave these letters to you Some things are better Some things are better Some things are better Mother lied to me when I was a child, not much more than three. On Mr. Toad's wild ride, it's only a ride. She said, and I believed her, and though I still cried, I was so relieved. Well, I know that I must someday go to hell. And I know Mother dear will be waiting there as well. She 
She will hold me tight and gently stroke my hair and she will tell me again the lies that got her there. Mama knew some things are better. Some things are better. Some things are better kept secret. I wish that I could tell you that my soul was just as peaceful as a dove. But when the rage consumed me, Robin Ed was always out of love. It was always out of love. Dear Aura Grace, I named you way back then. In the day so dark, I hope I never see you again. Robin sounds the new day. It's what you are to me I've waited all my life for you And now You're all I see That was Colin McGrath with his song Dear Aurora Grace The next episode of Songwriter will feature the return of Joyce Carol Oates, along with songs written in response by Tony Trishka and Jennifer Marks. The next live Songwriter show will be on Sunday, October 25th, and will feature Cheryl Strayed reading letters to Dear Sugar and a song written in response by Maya Sharp. The show will be on Facebook Live and will be free. Never Look Back is by Alison Galen, copyright 2019 by Alison Galen. Never Look Back appears on Songwriter, courtesy of Alison Galen and HarperCollins Publishers. Songwriter is now a part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network, along with a bunch of other great podcasts. Make sure to check out americansongwriter.com forward slash podcast. And you can always get early access to the Songwriter Podcast at Paste. Just go to pastemagazine.com and search for Ben Arthur. And while you're there, check out the Paste Podcast or get it wherever you get yours. Last, thanks to Rob Reinhardt and Acoustic Cafe.